Welcome to this week's episode of EIU Panthers Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. This week, we start our Hall of Fame series as we talk over the next couple of weeks with members of the 2022 Eastern Illinois Athletic Hall of Fame. First up is Tom Akers, who will be inducted as a coach following a dominating career leading the Panthers track and field programs. During his tenure, EIU won 45 Ohio Valley Conference track and field championships between the men's and women's programs covering both indoor and outdoor track. He coached 20 All-Americans and 26 OVC Athletes of the Year. Akers talks about his experiences at EIU, what it was like to be previously inducted into the OVC Hall of Fame, and what retirement life is now like for him. We are in our third season of the EIU Panthers podcast, and you can listen to any episodes from our previous three years wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Search EIU Panthers Podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeart Podcast, and Amazon Podcast. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of EIU Panther Athletics. Want to learn more about broadband for your home or business? Then visit consolidated.com today. Congratulations to EIU women's soccer players Daniela Bromeo and Sarah Hagg on being named the OVC Players of the Week after the Panthers opened the season with a pair of shutouts against Valparaiso and Purdue-Fort Wayne. Action continues on the road for EIU women's soccer this weekend, while the regular season openers are on tap for men's soccer and volleyball this weekend, both teams competing on the road. We are now one week away from the season opener for EIU football at Northern Illinois, with cross-country hosting the Walt Crawford Open on September 2nd. Stay up to date with the latest scores, stats, and news on EIU Athletics online at EIUPanthers.com or follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers or our Instagram page at EIU Panther Nation. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers Podcast with 2022 EIU Hall of Fame inductee Tom Akers. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers Podcast. We're going to start our upcoming Hall of Fame series here with speaking with a couple members of that will be inducted into the upcoming EIU Athletic Hall of Fame. Our guest this week will be former EIU Director of Track and Field, Tom Akers. Thanks for joining us today, Coach. Thanks, Rich. It's great to be here. Now, I, I know this is, yours is a little bit different, and I, I went through this with, with Coach Bob Spoo with football a number of years ago. Of course, we weren't doing podcasts then, but he, like yourself, inducted into the OBC Hall of Fame, the Ohio Valley Conference, but also the, the Eastern Illinois Athletic Hall of Fame, and really just based on some some years of how long you have to be retired from the thing, you were inducted into the OBC Hall of Fame first. What What was that? experience like and does that make then getting into the EIU one any different? <laughs> well first of all I, I was inducted uh, during COVID. Okay. Uh, so the um, the ceremony or luncheon that they usually have during that time uh, was not held. Uh, so basically I did a, a, a podcast with Kyle Schwartz um, to, to go with that and then just this past um, just this past year, uh, they finally got the ceremony started again, and they invited uh, my year and the year after, who had, who had also been canceled from uh, from an in-person type type of deal, uh, to to be there and to be inducted there with the OBC. And, and to my surprise, uh, I got there with uh, 
uh, Dustin Hatfield and and the young lady. Um, who Lindsay was, Carlson, yep. Yeah, Lindsay, mm -hmm. um, who were the OVC athletes of the year for all sports. And so sat at the table with them. And so that was that was quite a treat. It was nice to be there with a lot of EIU contingent. President Glassman and Tom Michael were there. So so I uh, really enjoyed that. And then for, for you and, and that ceremony, that like I said, that, that's a little bit different. And the fact that you get mm -hmm. inducted into that. Then when you get the call from from Tom Michael, who makes the calls for the EIU Athletic Hall of Fame one, I don't want to say it's anticlimactic because you're already in one, but what what are the emotions then of getting inducted in the place where you you worked and did the large body of your work? Well, I think I think definitely the EIU Hall of Fame has a lot more meaning to it because of all the years that I spent um, at Eastern Illinois and in Charleston. So, um, so that was. Uh, a, a very pleasant surprise. Um, you know, timing is never up to our timing, but, uh, um, you know, there, you, you go back and when you think about uh, your induction, you go back and start reflecting on your career there and, and all the years, how it all got started and, and everything else. So, uh, yeah, even though it came after the OBC, um, it definitely has a lot more meaning to me than, than that in the OBC. Now you talk about a, a long career. You you had a, a, actually a couple different stints at Eastern Illinois. You came originally as an, an assistant, left, and then came back to to EIU um, as an assistant again before taking over the program. I guess for those that don't maybe know your history, a little bit about how you kind of got to Eastern Illinois before eventually taking over the program from another Hall of Famer, Coach Neil Moore. Yeah, it was uh, actually I started as a graduate assistant. So, uh, um, you know, I was my first year out of college, I was a dorm director and assistant track coach at uh, University of Dubuque. And uh, being a housing coordinator, you know, I had to ba basically babysit an entire dorm. And uh, I loved the coaching aspect, but didn't like the babysitting aspect. Yep. So, <laughs> Uh, sent out a bunch of applications for graduate assistants. And luckily, Neil Moore remembered my name from when I was a senior in college because I was the first year for the Mid-Continent Conference. And we actually competed against uh, Eastern Illinois. So, you know, that, that sort of got my foot in the door, so to speak. Came here and spent a year with uh, under the tutelage of Neil Moore and Dr. Tom Whittall, uh, two EIU Hall of Famers. Um, and loved the experience, um, you know, left for a year, taught at a middle school down in Garland, Texas, just outside of Dallas, came back on my spring break just to visit uh, EIU, and it was the day after Tom Woodall had announced his uh, resignation from coaching because he was starting off the cardiac rehab program. So uh, I think I was the only one... Um, young enough and could take the the pay cut i guess yeah. uh to accept that assistant coaching position at that time and yeah spent eight years um as the assistant for neil under just a men's program um basically ran the cross-country program by myself and neil handed or handled all the fall track stuff uh but after eight years i just sort of felt like i had sort of hit my limit as far as growth is concerned and 
ended up leaving, going out to the University of Arizona on a full-time teaching appointment. Uh, but at that point in time, it was a 45% pay raise, which was a little hard to turn down, especially since uh, um, Clayton, our, our first son, was, was just born and less than a year old, so or a couple years old. So couldn't turn that down, went out there, but really missed, you know, just full-time teaching, really missed the college coaching atmosphere, coached at the high school level on top of my, my teaching appointment out there. And then after four and a half years, uh, you know, got a call from Coach McInerney, uh, again, another EIU Hall of Famer, um, and just asked me if I was interested in, in coming back and coaching at EIU because Neil needed to retire due to health concerns. So it was a no-brainer decision. He came back in January of 95, which I had been gone just long enough where um, first team meeting, I knew, I knew Coach Mack and one other kid in the room of, you know, the whole team. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was a really interesting, but, uh, but yeah, that, that brought me back and, and yeah, spent, uh, yeah, the next, what was it, 22 years uh, as a head coach and um, just loved every minute of it. Now, when you came back, you, you talked about that to take over the program. At the time, Eastern Illinois was a member of the, the Mid-Continent Conference. You mentioned that, it, which is now the Summit League. It's amazing how how things change, names of places and, and, and teams. But that's where you had competed, you had said, as, a, as an undergrad. So how familiar were you with the, the makeup of the Summit League, or I guess the Mid-Continent, at that time when you were taking over the program? Yeah, I was I was real familiar with it. Uh, obviously, uh, you know from the first year, um, but I guess sort of uh, the way conferences are going now, the MidCon was sort of a revolving door for a number of teams um, during those first two years that we were a part of it, and of course we were one of them because we we upped and left it uh, for the Ohio Valley Conference after two years. So uh, I think we joined in the fall of '96. Spring of '97 was our first year in the Ohio Valley Conference. So, uh, yeah, but that MidCon was, I think, spread out even more than the Ohio Valley Conference because we had Central Connecticut, uh, we had Troy, uh, Troy State, um, Cleveland State. So there was a lot of travel, and I, I think I can't remember if it was our first conference championship, but we had to take a two-day bus trip to get out to Central Connecticut for the conference oh, wow. championships. <laughs> Outdoors, so um, yeah, a lot of travel there. Yeah, times have changed a little bit since since then. <laughs> yeah. So you move, so you move into the OVC, and you guys had a lot of success in the OVC. Moving conferences, what did that do in terms of? Was there a different, maybe approach to, to how you were trying to build a team? And I say that because some conferences, I would say, when you look at from a national level their distance conferences or their throws heavies conferences did was there a, a change in maybe philosophy you had to have moving from the midcon to the ovc when you as the director of the programs well it was it was definitely a lot more competitive uh midcon i think we had won quite handily the uh the first two years that i was there um and back then middle tennessee state was still in the ohio valley conference they had been one of the powerhouses southeast missouri was the other one eastern kentucky uh those were the three main powers but just the quality 
of the athletes in the conference was definitely a step up from the mid-con at that point in time. Um, but, it, it, you know, it's really interesting because even, even the Summit League now, the old mid-con, and the Ohio Valley, how much each one of those conferences has continued to progress over the years. Um, you know, the last year that I was coaching, I mean, looking at um, performances to, to even make the finals of the Ohio Valley Conference would have been conference championship performances when we first got in there. So, um, you know, both conferences became very, very competitive, but um, definitely the Ohio Valley Conference was a big challenge when we stepped into it. Now for you, a lot of success, and I don't want to, I'm not going to put you on the, the spot here as to naming a ton of ind or a specific individuals, but a lot of success coaching kids that went on to be all Americans. You have a couple kids that were individual national champions. Are there, are there like a couple of those types of moments that, that stand out in, in the long distinguished career you kind of have that automatically, I guess, maybe bring a smile to your face when you think about some of those accolades. Well, you know, I mean, definitely when you're talking about, you know, the Jim Maytons or the Dan Steeles, uh, you know, those quality of performance are really um, hard to forget and uh, bring, bring smiles to my face, not only in their performances, but also just, uh, you know, the type of individuals that those two guys were and, and how hard they worked to achieve what they did. Um, but... Uh, you know, a lot of other people in between there, you know, Zai Bowie's, um, you know, even some some of the, the lesser and some walk-ons that, you know, ended up progressing to Ohio Valley Conference champions in their event. Um, you know, seeing, seeing some people accomplish things that they had no idea that they was even within their, their realm of achievement uh, become almost as rewarding as those more uh, notable ones like the NCAA champions are all Americans, but, uh, so yeah, there's just so many of them, so many of them and still keep in contact with, um, you went with a few of them, you know, my last, the last year, um, we were down at, uh, Tennessee tech for the outdoor conference meet and Jim Macon shows up and, uh, and I sat and talked with him for a while. I hadn't seen him for a long time or spoke with him for a long time, but uh, but he made a point to to come down. Of course, his his nephew was running for Southeast Missouri, so he sort of got two birds with one stone. Yep. But uh, but that was very um, very nice to to see him come down and and have the time to speak with him. And Dan Steele and I still keep in pretty close contact usually about once a month or every other month, uh, you know, we'll talk and, and, uh, you know, those relationships that have been built are, uh, are very, uh, very important to me. Now the individual accolades, they, they've come, you just mentioned a handful of those. You had a numerous conference champions and individual events, OBC athletes of the years. But one of the other things that, that stands out is, the team championship aspect and that the fact you guys were, were very dominating in the indoor and outdoor on the men's side. And then when you took over directing the women's program, the same success, it, it's interesting to me. And I'm kind of want to get your take on this is that track is very much, I would say people would look at it from the outside as an individual sport. You're going to get only one guy can get first place or one lady can get first place, but you guys 
found a way to kind of really build a let's win this as a team because winning the team championship, everybody wins. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, I think sort of a philosophy that I picked up from, from coach Moore and coach Woodall uh, during my graduate assistant days, as well as, um, you know, when I competed in track and field, um, my head coach, Lynn King uh, at Northern Iowa sort of had the same philosophy and it's something that, that I was important to me as an athlete. And, um, you know, I wanted to try and keep that going here at, or at EIU and, uh, you know, try to emphasize that, um, you know, to the athletes. And, but just like anything, you know, some really bought into it and, uh, and some still thought of it as still just an individual <laughs> sport uh, and their own successes. But I, I think those that... Uh, those that really had that same sort of vision, we tend to uh, bring those kids into the program. And I think that really helped them, you know, succeed at a higher level than they would have as an individual. And I think made, uh, you know, made those team championships uh, very rewarding. Um, you know, I remember that first, the first women's team championship, you know, they had sort of been riding on the coattails of the men's success for a number of years. And, you know, and finally, I think uh, that year we knew we had a shot at it. And, uh, you know, we talked about that at the beginning of the year and it's like, you know, saying, you know, ladies, this is no longer time to, uh, you know, ride on the guys coattails. This is your year to, to get it done. And they, uh, scratch and claw. And I think won the indoor title by about 17 points and then got to the outdoor meet. And I think, if my memory serves me correctly, I think they won the outdoor meet by almost a hundred points. Oh, wow. So they uh, pretty much destroyed the conference uh, that outdoor season. And, you know, I think it sort of stayed up there and been very competitive since then. Now, the other thing on, on, on track is we, we talked about, it becomes an individual sport. It also becomes individualized in terms of the events that there are, there are running events and that, that in that category, there are several different, variations of that there's throws there's jumps as a coach i know i will get into a little bit here in a second what you kind of specialized in as as an athlete yourself but did you feel like there was a certain area that you maybe were stronger in coaching i know in your career kind of you span coaching all of them but if you were somebody said well coach acres is a specialist in this event what, what would that be i don't know about a specialist in in anything but you know, I think things I felt more confident in, obviously the hurdles, which I competed in and in, in college, and, and I think we had a pretty good success rate at the uh, as coaching hurdlers uh, there at EIU, as well as, uh, you know, sprints up through the middle distance. I, I'd say those are where my strong points are. But, you know, throughout my coaching career, um, you know, as an assistant under Neil Moore, I took all the running events. So I had from the sprints all the way up to the 10,000 meters cross country program. And then once I came back as a head coach, um, then it was, I'd sort of fill in the spots where um, the assistant coaches maybe didn't have a, have an expertise in. So, you know, a couple of years I was coaching the throws and a couple of years I was doing the jumps and the vault. And so I just sort of filled in where it was best needed for us as a staff and ended up, you know, like I say, not master of none, but uh, 
doing a, a little bit of good in all areas, but uh, um, really enjoyed, really enjoyed the, the time in, in the areas that I didn't consider my strong points. But uh, yeah, hurdle, hurdle sprints and 800 probably my strengths. Now I asked that because what I said we're going to segue, and you kind of kind of divulged there a little bit as you were as you were answering the question is when you were in in college you were a a hurdler yourself I know advanced to the to the national championships at the the D two level as a as an undergraduate at at Northern Iowa, but going back to growing up in in Iowa, kind of what what originally maybe got you got you into track I don't. For people that don't know this, I know that you're also an avid golfer. I've seen you play some pickup basketball. So I'm guessing talented in a, in a, a variety of sports at a young age. What what kind of made you gravitate towards track? Um, well, I uh, had an older brother, uh, two years older than I was. And, and he was a football, basketball, and track guy in high school. And I sort of followed in his footsteps. Um, he was more of a 400, 800 guy. And I gravitated towards the hurdles and uh, actually had an a interesting conversation with my father, I think, going into my junior year in high school because he, he was trying to talk me into running the same events my brother was running, thinking I didn't have enough flat speed to, uh, to be competitive as a hurdler, which probably at the time I didn't. But lucky for me, um, I said, no, I like hurdles and I stuck with hurdles. And then I went through a physical maturity spurt okay. my junior year and uh and I looked like I was a genius but uh, I think I just got lucky <laughs> but uh so track um yeah track was probably where I was most successful I think uh as a junior I placed sixth at the state meet in the highs and then as a senior I got third in the highs and second in the we ran the 180 lows that year um, or those years back then. So, uh, and then just sort of followed my brother to Iowa State. Uh, started off there for a year. That was a little bit too big a school for me and ended up transferring to Northern Iowa and that ended up being a really, really good fit for me. Okay. That was going to kind of be my question to you is kind of what made you want to go to, to Northern Iowa? But it sounds like you, you you tried some other places and that the, found out what the perfect home was for you. Yeah, yeah, I was... Uh, I was young going in. I didn't turn 18 until, well, you know, my birthday's in September, mid-September. So I was just right on the cutoff for the, for the date. Um, so I was young in my class and probably not really ready for, for college life my freshman year. So had some struggles and uh, decided not to go back to, to Iowa State, which was, I think, 30,000 students back then. Um, and sort of just last minute, I uh, knew we had competed against Northern Iowa, decided to, to give that a try, and uh, and it ended up working out for the best. Now, for you, a, a little bit now, since you have those experiences of what a big school is, a small school, Eastern probably closer to, to Northern Iowa and the, the setup of, of what it is, what, what did you guys kind of, did you use that, I guess, a little bit as a lure when you were recruiting kids? I'm sure a lot of times that you guys were recruiting kids that were also looking at some of those bigger schools because they get the, you know, they get the wide eyes of, Hey, I want to run at a big 10 school or a, you know, a power five as they call them nowadays. Yeah. That was, that was always a tough sell, you know, because people get, uh, 
enamored by the by the larger school and and the glitz and glamour and the shiny objects, so to speak. Um, but we just we just tried to stress, um, you know, especially at, at EIU, is just you know the the personal atmosphere. Um, you know, I think the strong point of Eastern Illinois University has always been the people at the university um, that make it feel special and make it feel personable. Uh, so you really work hard on trying to sell that uh, to the individual. And a lot of times you'd see see them go for the bigger school and you know it's not going to be a good fit for them, but you really can't say anything to them about it. You know, they've got to make their decision. And, and uh, some of those kids would end up coming back to us, uh, you know, after a year or two. And, um, and I think realize what we were talking about all along during the recruiting process. And for you, Coach, um, retirement now and for, for a couple of years, what is, what's the retirement cycle like? A lot, lot more time out on the golf course or just kind of a lot more time relaxing, not being stressed about winning championships for in track? Well, um, a little bit of both. Uh, you know, I, I try and get out and golf as much as I can. Um, so that's a plus, you know, it's nice being sort of lazy and taking my time, you know, have a, have a morning to do list that, uh, you know, sometimes takes all the way until the afternoon to get done, but you know, there's no rush on things. Um, this last year I went, um, went up, I still have a real good friend that lives in West Des Moines. I went up to the Drake relays and, and, uh, watched that and, um, ran into Jeff Bovey, the head coach at Illinois State, who was actually a student of mine at University of Arizona. And I brought him to EIU as a graduate assistant and now has gone on to his coaching career, uh, was the assistant coach at Illinois State and now the head coach and doing real well. But we got together and he had lunch with us, uh, went to the Drake Diner and and his phone rang about five or six times during that lunch. You know, where's the bus? Where's the van? Who needs this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't miss all that at all. <laughs> no, I, I understand. So, um, you know, the and it, and it just seems like over the years, it seems like there was a, a, a bigger plate for coaches to have to to work off of with uh, all the administrative stuff um, where it seemed so much simpler when I got started. It was showing up and coaching kids and going home, but uh, just the aspects and uh, of NCAA coaching has changed drastically over the years. Yeah. Well, Coach, it was good catching up with you. I like the Drake Diner reference there. They have one of the best milkshakes I've ever had in my life. It's kind of a that's hidden why, little gem that's there. That's why we were there, Rich. <laughs> yep. Hidden little gem off of campus. And my answer probably as a coach would have been like, the stadium's not very far from the diner. You can find me and you, you can't miss the bus probably. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely. good catching up with you, Coach Akers. I do appreciate it. A couple of weeks, you'll be inducted in here to the EIU Hall of Fame. Congratulations on that. And we look forward to having you back on campus here in a few weeks. Well, thank you very much. It's quite an honor, and I'm looking forward to being back there in Charleston. <laughs>